Welcome to Health System CIO's Partner Perspective Interview Series. I'm Anthony Guerra, founder and editor-in-chief. Today we're talking with Dr. Shelley Disser, VP of Solution Delivery with MediQuant, about how organizations are working to rationalize their application portfolios, why battling COVID made those projects more difficult, and some best practices on how to manage the issue today. Shelley, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great. You want to start off by telling me a little bit about your organization and your role there? Sure. Um, I work for a company called MediQuant. We are a data storage company. We store data for systems that hospitals have replaced or retired over the years because obviously the data has a lot of long-term value and a lot of long-term use cases that might outlive their source application. And um, my primary role there is vice president of solution delivery. So I interact with our customers on their projects and their archiving programs. And so tangentially, we have a lot of exposure to application management in our customer base. Very good. All right. So let's sort of set the table. The core issue that we're going to talk about today is application rationalization. We're going to talk about some ways people are dealing with it, some ways they might want to be dealing with it. Um, I know from my interviews over many years, this is a huge, huge issue mm-hmm. that everybody's dealing with. I mean, you've got uh, large health systems that have applications numbering in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's more than that at some places, but certainly we've heard in the hundreds. There's a lot of redundancy there's a lot of things getting bought without going through proper channels. It's it's one of these out of control kind of um, issues that it's hard to get your arms around and it's hard to put the brakes on. It's like a runaway train, right? So yeah. why don't you, from your point of view, just describe, frame up the issue uh, of what you think is going on out there uh, around this issue? Sure. So over the years, of course, uh, Metaquant gets invited to come into healthcare systems and help them determine what they can do with some of these old systems that they're no longer running. Um, Often that leads to conversations and findings on many other systems that they didn't even know they were running that all of a sudden become part of this, what do I do with it list. Um, And so it's just become very apparent that over the years, um, despite maybe best of intentions and a lot of uh, business practices, and best practices that are published by various IT organizations that hospitals struggle with having uh, an inventory that they can manage, an application inventory that they know is complete, it's holistic, it represents everything that they're responsible for as an enterprise. And that would be from um, contractual obligations, uh, what people are actually using, what they're using it for, all the way through to uh, systems, what kind of data they have in it, what kind of security exposure do some of those systems uh, represent. Um, so our customers are struggling. You know, there's a, a very large push for high trust and other kinds of compliance entities coming in. And so application inventory is becoming one of the, the larger pain points for our customer base. Yeah, so to, I think you made the point that they they sometimes don't even know what they have. Correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, a lot of that is driven by mergers, acquisitions, um, some of the larger healthcare entities are, of course, selling off some of the 
smaller rural facilities, and then you have new pop-up entities that are servicing just those particular markets. And so while they're focused on, of course, um, what their healthcare market there is going to be, who they're going to serve. Um, there's all of these infrastructure layers that they're not quite dealing with. What systems did they get in this acquisition? How compliant are they? What are they still running? What data is in them? So, so that's contributing to the problem as well. Um, some of the larger institutions, even if they're not perhaps in an acquisition mode, um, they do not often centralize purchasing. So there are some um, outlying clinics that are allowed to make purchases uh, without going through any kind of a centralized um, IT process. They might have one published, but it might not be enforced, um, or it might not have been written with the perspective that, wait, you know, we really need to make sure we're making a purchase decision that isn't a repeat or redundant within our, our healthcare mm -hmm. footprints. Just easier to let them go buy what they want to buy without trying to see if it already exists in, in the large organization. So it's cropped up a couple of different ways and it's just really become more transparent now um, with a lot of the merger and acquisition activity. Uh, and then some of the, the you know, increase in buying for some of the, the COVID related um, uh, treatment uh, options that needed to happen last year. So it, it's just becoming a little bit more of a pain point, more in the forefront. Right. So we've got, you know, multiple reasons it's happening. You got shadow IT, as you mentioned, people buying mm -hmm. things without proper approval. Um, you've got MA, which is a huge issue. So that those are the reasons this is happening. The reasons we want to battle it and, and get control of it, uh, you mentioned those as well. Cost savings, right? Yeah. So we're not mm -hmm. spending money we don't need to be spending. Uh, and also a focus on security. You want to talk a little bit more about the security angle on this, why having sort of applications all over the place is uh, it's just not necessary creating extra risk, right? Sure, absolutely it is. I mean, we're all hyper aware of all of the security breaches that have happened uh, even most recently. I have clients that are being distracted all over the place from their mission critical IT functions because of of security remediation that they have to go take care of now. Um, and so, you know, these systems come in either through shadow IT or through maybe processes and governance that um, isn't, uh, hasn't caught up to the buying need. And so then you find that while they might be serving some sort of clinical or business need, maybe they don't meet your security requirements or they expose the organization to some other type of security risk. Um, you know, security is painful. Nobody likes to deal with it, but it's absolutely necessary. And we're all finding that, you know, if you don't deal with it on the front end and understand where you've got access points into your organization, you could have a potential exposure. Um, somebody could could get into your organization with something malicious and you need to be able to be aware of all those places that that people are accessing your network and your system. So it's it's even more critical than ever. So we know it's a huge issue, has been for a long time. We know that COVID has exacerbated the situation because there was a buying spree that happened in order to deal with COVID. So mm -hmm. you're trying to control your application mix. All of a sudden you get, uh, you have to go on a buying spree and you have more coming in uh, and you may have redundancies there because you didn't really get to look deeply into your inventory. So uh, the problem has been bad. The problem has gotten worse. How do you think people are generally dealing with this today? How is it being managed? 
I think it's not being very well managed, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, there are a lot of systems that exist in a healthcare organization or enterprise that manage application lists, application inventories for their own use cases. So you might have a budgeting system that lists all of your vendors and the systems that you you believe you have uh, on board uh, for budgeting purposes. Contract management might have their own list. Your service desk may have their own list for user support. Uh, Your PMO may actually have their own list for their upgrades and for their concurrent projects that they're running and things like that. What seems to be missing is you know, one master list uh, and understanding what your whole footprint looks like and getting a common dialogue and a, a common set of verbiage around the vendors, the systems, their business purpose, their technical purpose, that does seem to be missing in the in the industry, even in very large organizations. Do you think they're trying to make this master list using the all famous uh, Microsoft Excel, which they certainly everyone are goes to? So, they certainly are trying, yes. And what are the challenges of doing this in a sort of a manual Excel-based format? Right. So we all love and hate Excel, right? It, it, it serves its purpose and then it outlasts its purpose. Um, and yes, we have many customers who have either internally taken on or through external partners engaged upon some sort of way to tackle this. Let me get my arms around it. Let me pull together these lists from all these different systems and see where their commonalities are, see where they cross over, see where they uh, show us gaps, things that contracts uh, system knows about that the IT department doesn't know about, things like that. So um, we can all already start to imagine how that gets out of hand pretty rapidly. And that forces it uh, to be sort of a one and done, right? Instead of it becoming something that your IT department can own and maintain long term, you know, that Excel spreadsheet gets stuffed in a virtual file drawer somewhere and it doesn't get updated and it doesn't get all the proper attention to make it a usable, workable document or a living, breathing piece of data that you can then incorporate into all your decision making. And that's where we're finding that this rationalization Uh, process is kind of stuck, right? It's kind of stuck in this project base. Let me rationalize for this particular purpose Mm -hmm. in this short term. Oh, we've got this great outcome. We got rid of X number of applications. We were able to get down to to, uh, a strategic list of applications and get a plan in place for, uh, you know, divesting ourselves of anything we don't need. But then that ends and it goes away and no one's continually managing it when it's in something like Excel or, or done very manually. Yeah. I, obviously this is a, it's a natural offshoot from the work that you do as right. a company. Right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I've, I believe that some of the best ideas you get as a business come from speaking to your customers yeah. and they say, well, here's another problem we're having now as a business, you have to make a decision is this in my wheelhouse? Is this okay. something I'm going to try and solve for these customers because I think it could scale to other mm-hmm. customers? Or is this maybe a one-off just for this one customer and it's kind of not really right for us? Every business has to make those decisions. Absolutely. So you've made a decision that this is an area that you want to try and create something to assist your customers, potentially new customers. Tell me about that. Yeah, great. So um, through the years, you know, Medicon has been in the archiving business for 
uh, you know, over 20 years. And um, we've developed processes to help customers hone in on what systems they need to archive, right? So it's a natural outreach to take that step one step backward into the process mm-hmm. and say, okay, what systems do you have? We have a lot of tools that we use internally. Um, and so one of them is an Excel spreadsheet. And we started sitting around one day talking about these very issues that we have with this Excel spreadsheet. It's called a data retention roadmap. And it's it's been very helpful for our customers, very helpful for our sales team and even our delivery team on understanding what systems the customer has that they want to archive. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just one use case, right? That's just one disposition you can do with a system. Um, and we started thinking about how could we um, collect the data in our data retention roadmap to make it more usable over the years, over the continuum. Maybe there are some systems that they put on that roadmap that they decide to do something else with, not put into a, a MetaQuant solution, which is perfectly fine. But where did that decision get captured? How did that get saved? How do we make sure that we help our customer who maybe has a leadership change or, or maybe they do get their institution sold? You know, How do we keep that and that knowledge and say, hey, you already evaluated this with us. We helped you decide together. You just needed to get rid of it. It was redundant data, for example, right? We don't want them to have to go through the data retention roadmap process again. So we started thinking about how could we automate our data retention roadmap, make it more application-based so that I can gather information about your systems and then I can save that and I can log it and I can have it for my customer to view and and understand what decision they made and when they made it. So uh, we started building a product and we realized that the product could actually extend into rationalization. It could really tie nicely with an overall application inventory uh, and all of the decision points that you need to capture and keep and keep up to date about that inventory so that as you manage that inventory through its life, um, you can know what are you currently running, what systems at the touch of a button, what systems are are you currently supporting, what systems are you currently tolerating, Uh, what systems have you flagged to get rid of in some way, shape or form which might be an archive. It might be putting it into some data warehouse that you own. It might be just getting rid of it, right? So that's how we came up with this. It's really uh, just one little click of the dial different than what we do, but it supports obviously our archiving strategy with, you know, if you decide that anything in your inventory needs to be archived, we clearly want to be the partner for that. So your title is product delivery, but it sounds like you've been doing product development. Yes, I have been doing product development. Um, so um, my background is I've been in archiving for many years. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I joined MetaQuant after a tenure at a prior uh, archiving company that I had actually started. So I did product development there, um, you know, along with, you know, the, the whiteboarding, the brainstorming, the customer panels, the would this work for you? Is this a problem you have? So um, the CEO, Jim Jacobs, approached me and said, hey, you know, we've been throwing around this idea about this product. You did a new product, obviously, uh, years ago. You know, we'd like for you to work on this and participate in it. So, yeah, it's been a really exciting way to, you know, take my industry knowledge and what I've done in the past and, and add value to MetaQuant. Product development can be a lot of fun. Would you agree with that? Oh, it can definitely be a lot of fun. I love the 
the methodology. I love, um, you know, in this iteration, um, I've actually learned something new. I love learning something new. So I've gotten to uh, learn uh, an agile development methodology and then, you know, work with stakeholders on formal uh, design sessions. And that includes customers. And it's been really, um, really exciting to talk to customers uh, and sort of get their input on this idea, get their input on how it might work for them. Here are some of the challenges that they uh, are going to have with a product like this, because they are, they're going to have challenges, right? I met with one customer who, um, you know, has multiple systems that manage a lot of inventories. And, you know, they talked about how it will be a cultural challenge for them to bring those inventories together in some way. Um, and so they gave us a lot of ideas about product integration and integration platforms that um, might, you know, might be a future roadmap for the product um, so that it integrates well with cost accounting or your service desk. You know, we're not looking to be uh, those fully blown out systems. We want to complement those systems, um, not replace them. So, so it's been really an exciting journey. Yeah, it's interesting what you mentioned about the cultural challenges. So I think we know that to be successful as a, a software provider, you can't just give the software and walk away, right? right. You really have to be invested in making sure that the customer finds success with it. Yes. So you mentioned the culture and, and that'll come over time, right? You get better yeah. and better at coaching your customers. Absolutely. And then some, some companies we know of put in very specific requirements about yeah. what you have to do. Yes. And, yeah. and they become very successful. It's they did. It takes they a lot did. of time to get to that authoritative position uh, where you can say, hey, my way or the highway. Exactly. But it work when you can get there. So do you see going down the same road in terms of developing that, that set of best practices around the software that will help a customer be successful? Yes, I do. And in fact, um, fortunately, um, there's already best practices out there, right? There's, there's documented best practices around asset management, around customer management, around governance that you should put in place for purchasing and making decisions. And that's what we want to dovetail into. We want to make sure that you know, we are helping provide all the data points that might go into an already established process because the processes are probably in place. They're just not being followed because probably the data is not readily available. No one knows who owns these some of these systems or what value they provide or why were they purchased. Right. And so it is going to be a lift to get um, some of that up and running and then getting the culture in place to keep it up to date i think that will happen once a once a client sees the value in keeping this their application inventory up to date and the value that it drives to all of those uh, processes budgeting cost accounting contracting service desk you know even you know disposition archiving i think that they will you know, naturally want to keep it up to date because it provides so much value to them across the organization. So, you know, it's kind of like archiving, you know, mm -hmm. when archiving started in 1999, you know, people were like, what is that? Why, why would we want to do that again? I mean, I think I do have a problem, but I'm not, help me understand, you know, the, the, the connection there. And so that's why I think this is, is so exciting for me because it's, you know, another problem to help uh, this industry solve and that once the industry catches on, I, I believe they'll, you know, they'll actually run away with it just like they have archiving, which mm -hmm. is kind of exciting. Do you have a formal name for this software, what we're calling it in terms of what it does and, and is it generally available now 
or is it still in development? So it's called Application Arc, um, and it's a it's a, a web hosted application, and we are in the throes of uh, getting it out to some early release customers mm-hmm. this summer, and we plan for a GA in the fall. Okay, very good. So mm-hmm. anybody hears this and wants a little bit of that early release action, reach out to you. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> We'd love to work with them. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about the archiving in general. Um, what, are you seeing any interesting trends here with COVID or with what's going on these days around archiving in general? Um, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, during, with COVID, uh, there was a little bit of a slowdown, I think, industry-wide mm-hmm. in, in things like archiving. You know, archiving sort of the tail of the dog, right? Um, because, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, there was a lot of purchasing that had to be made quickly to um, either bolster their infrastructure so employees could work from home, um, to actually make sure that uh, connections with patients could be done via telemedicine, whether or not they had that infrastructure in place or not, sort of dictated how much they had to pivot. Um, and I think it's really interesting that um, you know there was probably a big rush to buy a lot of product um, that isn't in anybody's inventory right now. Um, so, but from an archiving perspective, we didn't really see a, a huge slowdown either. I just think uh, now we're seeing customers come back with very large inventory lists and now they're even larger um, because of uh, decisions that they made over the last year that now maybe have forced them to look at their footprint and, and choose systems that might need to be archived. Um, so that they can clear room for some of the new technology um, and or maybe even some of the security initiatives that they've put in place over the over the last year. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of ransomware going on. I wonder if that's motivating yeah. people to clean up Absolutely. the old stuff. Absolutely, it is. Um, like I said, it's, it's a distraction, completely a distraction because it's not planned for. Uh, but at the same time, the clients that are distracted by it are like, oh, yeah, I need, to, I need to get back with you in a week, but I've got some really important things we need to talk about because, you know, we've done a search in our inventory now. And we realize we've got five other systems with the same security exposure and we just want to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we're seeing in the, in the archive space. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if you have any final thoughts. Um, you know, let's say, as I think you've said that you don't see a lot of offerings that uh, compete with the one you're trying to create or that you're in the process of creating, right? You're not. Yeah. Going to, are you? Yeah. Um, just the 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 work that I've done, and mm-hmm. certainly, you know, it, it's something that Metaquan is continuing to work on and pursue and iterate on, but. Healthcare is such a unique animal. There are a lot of system inventory applications out there, mostly around help desk software, you know, mm-hmm. ServiceNow, SolarWinds, things like that. But those are industry agnostic, right? So the information that they keep in an inventory is somewhat limited. It's very IT focused and it's definitely not healthcare business or clinical business focused, right? Um, so that's where we hope to differentiate ourselves is that we are creating a product that is really geared toward healthcare enterprise. Uh, it's going to help them track information about applications that are meaningful to a healthcare enterprise that might not be meaningful to a bank or a manufacturing company or, or some other large industry that is managing a, a generic application platform inventory. So um, that's how we're hoping to differentiate ourselves is, is really speak to the healthcare market and the healthcare user. 
And what would be your final piece of advice? I mean, I would imagine you got some folks out there saying, I've got so much on my plate, right? <laughs> I've got so much going on. Yeah. Uh, why would you say uh, this is something not to just um, not pay attention to for now? Well, it's something that's going to catch up with you is the problem, right? It's like sneaking that little piece of cake every day and not not cat, not writing it in your diet journal, right? It's going to catch up with you. Um, even if you think about the purchases that were made in the last year for some of the reasons that we talked about um, to support remote work, remote patient care, pop health, some of the COVID analytics, things like that. I mean, all of those systems were probably purchased outside of a process um, and they were purchased they could have even been redundant, right? So if you think about if this if this inventory had been in place and had been well managed before the pandemic, uh, a facility could have very easily assessed their footprint, known what their capabilities were, what their gaps were, uh, made very smart long-term purchase decisions to not only solve the problem at hand, but also that was um, you know aligned with their institution, their strategy, uh, institutions that didn't have a good inventory, that didn't have a, a, a safe place to go look and say, hey, this constitutes everything we own and our whole infrastructure and our strategy. They probably made a lot of redundant purchases. They probably made a lot of quick purchases. And now they're going to be paying for that. They're going to have to go back and figure out how do they reduce redundant costs? How do they uh, make sure that everything is secure, that nothing is introduced additional risk into their healthcare system, that kind of thing. And I think um, culturally, it, it's something that organizations could start socializing, right? Start, they, I think they all inherently know that, you know, while purchasing has their list that they manage and contract management has their list and the service desk has their own list, uh, you know, just the customer I've, I've spoken to when you ask them, okay, so how do I know that application that you've called application X is the same application X that you've got in your budgeting system. And it's the same application X that you've got slightly named differently on your service mm -hmm. desk, right? So how do you know what, what's really there, what value these systems are bringing to your institution and, and what they're costing you, right? So I think that organizations need to start thinking about that, maybe asking themselves that question. How do I know? What do I know about my inventory? How many different inventories do I have? Where do I see gaps? Where do I see differences? And how could this be absolved by having one system that, that helps me pull all of these inventories together? Yeah, I don't know how you could sleep at night not knowing what you have. Yeah, right? I mean, at I least agree. if you know what you have, you know what your challenges are, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be sunset. But Agreed. if you really have a lack of confidence, and this comes up a lot with biomedical devices, that's mm -hmm. another area where just it's it's extremely difficult to to maintain a, an inventory. So mm -hmm. I would imagine most CIOs would not be comfortable are not comfortable with that lack of confidence in knowing the inventory. Yep, I would agree with that. Anything else you want to touch on that we didn't cover yet? Um, I don't think so. I appreciate you uh, uh, talking to me today. And I just, um, you know, you gave give, you even give me a few ideas to think about. So. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. I appreciate that. All right, Shelly, that's about all we had time for today. I really appreciate okay. your time. And I think it was a fun chat. So thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you.